Welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks with me, your host Howard H. Smith. Hello, welcome back. It is I, it is Howard H. Smith, the talker of bollocks. It's I'm welcoming you back, or for the first time, to this podcast. Straight away, I am going to tell you that I sing in the UK thrash band Acid Rain. I have this podcast, I do stand-up, um, all sorts of bits and pieces. You can find it wherever you like. But Patreon is where it's at. Patreon.com is where all of the bollockers tend to live. Um, we've got a really cool group over there. It is $6 a month. You get shed loads of content, including a live podcast once a month. Well, a live chat on Zoom for at least a couple of hours, and we have a right old laugh. If you want to come in, join the fun, please do. There's a link in this podcast in the podcast description, or just go to patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. So that's enough of that. Welcome back to the podcast. Episode number I don't give a fuck. I have noticed that every single podcast seems to start with how many episodes there's been. I genuinely don't know. Do you know what? I'm going to open up my um, I'm going to open up my podcast app on my phone right now, and see if there's a. I think there is some clues in there. Episode four hundred and thirty nine, the last one. It reckons. Wow. Okay. Well, if it says so, I, I did say I was not going to mention it, didn't I? I've fucked that up now. Anyway, you know what I mean. So it's now time to get stuck into, as always, the news. What has been happening? in the world of metal since last we spoke. Um, Dave Lombardo has announced his debut solo album, Rites of Percussion. So that's something. Um, Also, Voivod, quite rightly, really chuffed for them. Voivod wins Juno Award in Metal Hard Music Album of the Year category for Synchro Anarchy um, at the Canadian... Grammys, which is the Juno Awards, and that is awesome. Um, just awesome recognition of an awesome band who have been through so much and are still going. And despite uh, you know massive changes, have managed to stay relevant. I think it's just it's fucking awesome. Good old Voivod, you gotta love yourself some Vod. Um, now speaking of bands who've been around, and blah, right. I'm going to get to it, and that is the passing of Jim Durkin of Dark Angel. Very, very sad news. Um, as listeners, as some of you may or may not know, um, I toured back in the day with Dark Angel. Um, uh, we've had Mike, uh, bass player Mike Gonzalez, on the um, on the podcast. We've had uh, Gene on the podcast many times. I've seen Gene many times over the years. I only actually met Jim once, which I think was in 2017, 2018, in Glasgow when Dark Angel came over to play Lords of the Land. And uh, and obviously there was a lot of history between me and the rest of them, which meant, uh, but, you know, it wasn't awkward at all. I mean, the dude was really nice, really friendly, really welcoming. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I've heard all the stories, you know, what you guys got up to in Europe and all the rest of it. Um, and it was very, very cool. And, you know, it was minimal hang time. You know, we probably we probably spoke for a total of about 15 minutes across um, an entire day. And that was sort of two or three quick chats. Um, but seemed like an awesome dude and 
from what everyone in the band you know was telling me they were just like so so glad they'd managed to get that lineup back and at the time of uh, at the time of commenting on this i don't know um what it was or you know how um jim passed or what it, what it was that um that got him in the end but it's really really sad and and when you see you know people that you know and consider friends extremely um upset by these things that is also upsetting so my best wishes best wishes to um uh to well to jim's family and and to everybody in um in in dark angel who i really do feel for um you know top top guys every one of them and it was just it's just really really sad and it, and just a sad long time artillery drummer um uh, Joshua Madsen dies after being hit by a bus. Longtime drummer jo um, uh, Joshua Madsen, played in the band's latest, last four albums, has died at the age of 45. I sit here as a 52-year-old guy saying, fucking hell, that is just so unfair. He'd recently exited artillery, had rehearsed with his new band on Wednesday night and was walking from um, the station to his house where he and his family live when he was hit by a mo by a moving bus around 9.47pm. I don't know how you can be hit by a bus that isn't moving. I mean, it wouldn't you wouldn't be hit by it, would you? It's stationary. You'd have to hit it. I don't want to get into comedy into this article because it's not funny. Dear friends, family, friends, fans and family, today we awoke to the tragic news of the passing of our dear friend and bandmate Josh. Dear Josh, for those last 10 years you have been part of an extended family. We have played, fought, laughed and cried together and looked at the future alongside uh, alongside appreciating um, for now. You had a kind spirit and a big heart. Our thoughts and prayers are with your son and family. We wish you peace and joy on your journey. Take care. Rock on wherever you are. Isn't that nice? Really nice, um, touchy message. And, and again, just fucking hell. Seems so unfair at that kind of age absolutely ridiculous um next up watch jeff tate perform queen's right classics in helsinki so the reason that i have highlighted this is something that i wanted to commentate on is sorry comment on is the fact that you could just change the fucking town watch jeff tate perform queen's right classics in change name of town it's the same fucking article that's been running for about the last 10 years ever since he got booted out of Queensryche and I, I'm you know at, at what stage at what stage is it going to cease to be news that Jeff Tate is roaming the world like some heavy metal hard rock nomad playing Queensryche classics all over the world. I mean, it is, it's fucking, it's a thing. He's been doing it for ages. I'm just amazed that people keep posting, well, people, blabbermouth, keep posting video clips. Um, and um, nice to see we're going to have Devil Driver back. Um, it looks like, well, they are going to be back. New album, the whole kitten caboodle really pleased about that and hopes hopefully we'll have um des for on the show as well i will uh, keep you up to date with you know when it's coming and all the rest of it um now three odd articles first one i didn't expect to be reading this ever watch violence performs with no original members in melbourne after singer sean killian falls ill 
Vocalist Jason North of Truth Corroded filled in for Sean Killian at Violence's March the 11th concert in Australia after Sean Killian fell, um, fell uh, ill shortly before the performance and could not make the gig. Um, Violence's lineup for the Melbourne um, show consisted of um, North, drummer Adrian Aguilera, ex Mortis, guitarist Miles Dimitri Baker, Vorbinger, Vorbringer, Interloper, ex Rings of Saturn, bassist Christian uh, Older Walbers, and guitarist Ira Black of Vicious Rumours, Ethan and Metal Church. So, yeah, wow. Um, that is a tough one. That That is a real, real tough one. Um, I mean, I think it's getting to the stage now where it's going to be virtually just about Sean and that's it. I mean, I've seen some... Um, Phil Devil made some comments online recently um, about he's just not sure where he sits with the whole machine head thing at the moment. Um, sorry, machine head. I just read the name. The whole violence thing at the moment. Um, because he's kind of just feeling like it's it's not getting back together with those guys and you know and playing the songs um i mean the the line the lineup that came back was Killian Demel Strickland Dean Dell and Ray uh, Ray Vargas and and you know what that that was a perfectly respectable lineup but it's yeah it's just look all looking a bit shaky now it's all looking a bit shaky so Dave Mustaine admits he has difficulty getting up in a certain pitch now with his vocals. Okay. Well, I'm just putting it out there that that we have all known this, Dave, for a long time. Yeah? Uh, in fact, I mean, at, at least 10 years. This is just, this is not new. This is not new. It's a it's a wonder based on everything that's happened. Uh, the guy upstairs isn't even letting me is letting me continue to do what I love. Hey, the guy upstairs, sexist much? Hey, hmm? God's definitely a bloke, is he? Oh, fucked up there. I don't want to be a victim. I can't stand people who play the victim. So I'm not going to give you the uh, give you a litany of all my uh, all my injuries. But f suffice to say, I feel great right now, and I don't think there's anything I that I cannot do. I won't jump out of an aeroplane anymore because um, because of the plate in my neck and because you have been, uh, you have seen some of the others. But I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be a, a grandfather. Ooh, my son Justice is going to be a dad. Well, that's all wonderful. So yeah, basically he's saying that right I, injuries and shit like that. Look, voices get older. That's it. But you know, never mind. Steady on, Dave. Don't stress yourself. Don't straighten yourself. Right. Now this just, Mike Shinoda, once again, I might add, rules out Linkin Park performing with Chester Bennington hologram. Mmm. This is ringing a bit of a bell, isn't it? Has Wendy Dio been on the phone, Mike? <laughs> so, what have we got here? Um, a Tupac Shapur hologram performed with Snoop Dogg at Coachella in 2012. Mmm, Silk de brought a holographic version of Michael Jackson to the stage. And more recently, Ronnie Dio. Shinoda addressed the prospect um, of the surviving members doing this um, on the radio. Um, and he said, those are creepy. Yes, congratulations. <coughs> right out the gate, Shinoda is absolutely spot on. 
even if we weren't talking about us, if we weren't talking about Chester, which is, that's a very sensitive subject, and we would, we would have our feelings about how we would represent that. For me, it's a clear no. I'm not into that. But even as a viewer of, like, just a fan or another band, like I heard ABBA, for example, they're doing a hologram show, and they're still alive. Then you get to have an opinion about it based on, like, well, you know, they're all still here, yet they want to do it this way because they want to transport you back to a moment in time where those songs were new and whatever era it was. I get that. I see that. I'm not positive, even under those circumstances, I'm not positive I personally would buy a ticket to the show, but other people would. That's fine. The problem with the internet now is that everybody thinks that everything is for everybody. Whoa, great line. I've said that many times. Everything is not for everyone, but there we go. And what I mean is everyone feels like they need to chime in like, well, here's my opinion. This is what I have to say. And it's not for me. Like, if, if I don't like it, then nobody should like it. That's not the way the world works. If you like a thing and I don't like the thing, then you go to see the thing or you go buy the thing or you don't. Well said. Um, I can't even wrap my head around the idea of a holographic Chester. I've actually heard other people outside the band suggest that. There's absolutely no way. I cannot fuck with that. Yes, I totally agree. You're absolutely fucking spot on, Mr. Shinoda. I can't do a hologram, Chester. That would be the worst. For any of you guys who have lost a loved one, best friend, family member, can you imagine having a hologram of them? Ugh, awful. I can't do it. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do, but, you know, we'll figure it out eventually. Fucking too right. I mean, the guy has only been dead. How many years? I mean, it's, it's not that long. Apologies. You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, you'd think it'd be in this, in this article somewhere, but... Yeah, I mean, fuck it. Then, then, then you get um, all of the um, uh, all of these tons of article. Well, the article is extended by basically listing all of the bands who have used a hologram, and then other bands who've commented on other bands talking about fucking holograms. It's just insane. Um, but this from Dave Draymond back in 2016 about the Dio thing, it makes me sad. I'm always happy to hear any music from anybody that, that's left us that we've lost. But I don't know. The hologram thing to me, it's almost, it isn't letting the dead be dead. It just seems weird. Is there a difference between a hologram and a guy dressing up like Rom Ronnie James and doing it? Ooh, that's weird, isn't it, eh? Anyway, fucking hell, yeah. I mean, I just, I can't believe people are even suggesting a... Uh, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I was not a massive Linkin Park fan. That is not the case at all. Um, but I just think it's too soon. I mean, Ronnie had been dead for a decade, for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, 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 I've, by the way, I've skirted through and I haven't been able to find... Do you know what? Fuck it. Let's hang on a second. Right, OK, so I've just had a little check. And, um, yeah, it's really not that long at all. Chester Bennington died in July 2017. It is not even six years. It's not even six years. And some fuckhead somewhere is going, you know how we can make some money really fucking easily? Convince those guys in Linkin Park that they need to do a gig with a hologram of their dead mate who hasn't been gone six years yet. Fucking hell, really? I mean, but then again, who is suggesting this? Maybe there isn't people out there saying, well, we should do this, right? Maybe it's just a fucking bullshit thing. People keep mentioning it 
and that is it um yeah it was just an interview with a dj so uh, yeah okay i mean may, maybe this is absolute classic blabbermouth and there's actually basically fuck all there there's just there's no story whatsoever it's just blabbermouth fucking making it up which would not be a surprise because some of you will have seen that there's some stories that have come out of this podcast like literally you know they've lifted sections of, a, of an interview that's appeared here and, and, and run it as a news story hey I'm not complaining I'm not complaining but you know it's, it doesn't make it fucking news does it anyway look not much news today not really a great deal to talk about it's all it's, it's all been a bit downbeat but be prepared for that to change. Now, the weird thing about the interview this uh, uh, this week in this episode is the fact that it's about 40 minutes and then it dies, okay? Now, what you are going to get here is um, it's George Miller of 601. I know George very well. Um, he is big lead, uh, a big um, Acid Rain fan. I actually sold him when I worked in a record shop all those years ago. I sold him a um, a, a, a Sepultura album, um, one of his first thrash albums. So there you go. It's um, he also runs a video channel called Foodinati. I've appeared on that. Um, he's a top man, and you are going to hear my chat with him now now this was an hour and 15 minutes we got into it only 40 minutes of it was recorded now normally you would all go oh fucking hell howard you dickhead what did you do um well i'm gonna throw george under the bus here <laughs> he recorded the whole thing right i didn't and unfortunately um, yeah, a couple of technical issues happened, which means you only get a 40-minute interview. But, you know, that's the bad news. Good news is we're going to get together again and do another interview, another big chunk, because there's loads of stuff we talked about that isn't in here, but we still did speak about a lot of stuff. And George is working on a remix of the new low by Acid Rain at the moment, which should be fucking insane. Anywho... Without further ado, because that's what you say on a podcast, just after you've said how many ep episodes you've done. Um, it is now time for the interview with my friend and one half of 601, George Miller. Marvellous. 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 Well, just um, get all my crap out of the way. And I must, get, I must get these uh, mics off you as well, because if I can stick them in my yeah. phone. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. They're um, off Amazon. Amazon, yeah. 50 quid. And do you know what? I'm sure you've sent me the link. I think you sent me the link last time. Right? Yeah, these are better than the ones I linked you to oh, last right, time. Oh, right, OK. So. Right, all right. Well, um, so anyway, we've already started. Um, hello there. Hello. This is, this is George, um, George Miller. Um, half of 601. Indeed. Yeah, OK. So you're like 300.5. Something like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> OK, all right. Um, now I want to go. I want to kind of go like right back to uh -huh. your very beginnings mm. um, in music, but more the fact that okay, as usually I'm all over the place. Right. But there is one. I'm going to start right at the beginning where I wanted to start, which is the one question yes. that I wanted to ask you because 601. Yeah. What kind of music is it? 
for the, for the uninitiated? I would say it's fairly heavy um, industrial influence dance music. Right. Um, we come from a, a place that isn't dance music, but we make dance music. Right, okay, yeah. cool. Um, because... You know, you've said to me before, your your passion mm. is for is for metal. Yes. And and you know, to quote you, you mm. felt like a bit of a fraud because initially, you, yeah. You, because yeah, you 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 do this kind of music. Yeah. And but you're just good at it. Yeah. And and but you don't feel it as much as something like metal. And that was, and yeah. that was really really interesting to me. I've given so, it a lot of thought since I last said that. Yes. Good. <laughs> Um, basically, um, my roots roots, I was in a punk band first, as right. most of us were, and um, uh, up until 1993, and we're actually on the 30th anniversary of 601 now, in 1993 I was at high school, um, 15 going on 16, and I was messing about in the music room on the synthesizers and stuff. Yeah. At about the same time, one of my heavy metal friends introduced me to Nine Inch Nails. Ah, right. Pretty Hate Machine. Yeah. And um, Killing Joke, um, Pandemonium, at the same time. And I was like really amazed with like the things you could do with synths. And I've been a guitarist up to this point. And I got more and more into what you could do with synths. And that was a childhood friend of mine. And he's getting into what you're doing with computers. And that's where the name 601 came from, because it means inf information overload in an right. old sci-fi movie called The Andromeda Strain. Oh, what a movie! Yeah, what it's, a fucking it, movie! It's right, the last scene in the movie, it says um, information overload code 601, it just goes 601, and that's when the whole world's That's that's, that's awesome. The fact that, that, that you were named after something that was absolutely topical and bang on the money, and yeah. 30 years later, yeah. you have to go into deep explanation <laughs> what the fuck it is. Well, if I could choose my name again, it wouldn't be a number because Google hates it. Yes. But, um, yeah, so that was that. So it, what, we, what we were doing at the time was I was in a sort of like thrashy sort of band and we were doing the stuff on the keyboards as intros for the songs. The band weren't that good, but the intros were really good. So we just expanded the intros and just kept going with that and right. just sort of like organically just moved into making electronica. I was just going to say that 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 because you hear people talking about like organically creating, mm. you know, yeah. music and film or whatever. Yeah. And organic is is you know is, is the is the word that everybody chucks around. Yeah. But when you were describing this I was thinking that's about as truly organic yeah. as it can possibly get. We didn't set out to be an electronic band. It was uh, it was a band called Insight I was in, and um, we were playing at Rio's and stuff. And these intros were just better That's than the songs Bradford were. Rios, Bradford to the Rios. Un to the uninitiated. Absolutely. Long yeah. gone now. Long Great gone. Place. Um, covered in dust, but lovely. Um, but yes, so these intros were getting really good, and they were getting longer, and they were getting like beats behind them and stuff. And so it did just evolve. And uh, the band were getting a bit annoyed with these synths and stuff. Everyone were coming to listen to the synth bits. Yeah. So then we made like a really shoddy demo. Well, shoddy by today's standards, done on a four-track Tascam. Um, we weren't even, didn't even know how to use MIDI at the time. You know, we were just playing stuff. And um, it got picked up by John Keenan, who you've just had on the show. Right. right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he put us on this local spot to a band called Loop Guru, who loved us so much they took us on tour with them. Wow. And it came out of that, and uh, it was literally within the space of a few weeks. We were on tour, and it was quite a major tour. It was like NME-sponsored tour with Luke Guru as sport acts, not knowing what the hell we were doing. But people thought we were being clever. 
people thought that we actually did know what we were doing and we were just like making it sound primal. And it was like, no, we weren't. We just didn't know what we were doing. Uh, that sounds a bit like the KLF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Everyone going, they're geniuses. <laughs> they go, no, it, well, it yeah. was all a fucking accident. Yeah, well, absolutely. And they were a major influence on the whole thing as well. So oh, it, was a, right. it was a glorious time for music anyway, uh, 93, 94. There was a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> Do you know what? There's a lot of listeners to this podcast it, it that, are, that have never heard that phrase before, <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was still like... I know, by the way, I know what you mean. I... Pretty Hate Machine yeah. absolutely took my um, electronic cherry. Yeah. I fell in love with that fucking yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. To this day, I've got just about every version of it, including the remaster yeah. from a few years ago. Oh. And, I, and I went to see him in um, Newcastle Riverside. Yeah, I've seen him um, great and I've seen him bad. I've, mm. seen, I've seen ones where Trent Reznor just wanted to get off stage yeah. when it was spotting Metallica at Nebworth. And he just said, said, basically he hated heavy metal and he's not going to play any of the hard ones. He's only going to play the slow ones. And he yeah. just valved up the crowd. Not his greatest moment. And then I saw him play like his full-on raging set that he does now, with much of the pigs and all that sort of stuff in it. And it was phenomenal, life-changingly good. But it was specifically something I can never have off the uh, Pretty Hate Machine album, which is still hauntingly beautiful. Yes. And I still listen to it all the time. Yeah. Um, Ring Finger is the other song off that album absolutely. that absolutely does it for me because it's like, especially when you're coming from metal mm. and that's what you're used to, mm. and, yeah, you and get, you're hearing you're hearing Trent and you're going like, brain says this is heavy. Yeah, brain is telling me this is heavy. Ears say no. Yeah, brain and and, and like vibes and feelings right. are telling me this is heavy. Which brings me neatly onto how I've rethought what I was saying about heavy metal music and. Right. I'd done a bit of thinking, soul-searching, and I'd read an amazing book called Electric Wizards, which is about the notion of heavy. What is heavy? What, what makes something heavy? And now it comes from the old hippie thing of, oh, that's heavy, man, which means it's a bit of a bummer, or it's a bit of a big question. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah. Um, so you can have heavy funk. You can have heavy country yeah. music. You can have heavy techno. You, you can, can have heavy classical. Oh, Debussy. Well, yeah. there you go. We've yeah. both come with our own favourite heavy <laughs> composer. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear that stamped all over metal. Mm. Um, so, yeah, basically, the different ways of being heavy with different instruments, I suppose. Um, so, when I listen to some of the stuff I've been making with um, 601, a lot of people have said to me, you can tell you like heavy music, you can hear the influence in there. And it's basically around making grungy bass sounds and stuff like that and just making sure the drums sound like they're actually played, as opposed to when they're programmed, and stuff like that. And um, I didn't realise, I was doing it unconsciously for a long time. Now I've started using, on this new batch of material we're doing, one of which is a remix for you guys, I've started using guitars, yeah. and saying, right, it's a big party, I'm just going to bring everything I like into the mix now, yeah. and um, stop restrict, because we became... Well, do you think... Do you think- so, so you think subconsciously your, your love of heavy music has come through what you yeah. do anyway. Which is really interesting because I think that says a lot about the, the kind of listener you have as well. Mm. Because the listeners clearly, I, I, you know, I, I'm making a, an assumption, but I've got a feeling that most you know, people into metal mm. would listen to your music mm. and would not see, would not hear that. Mm. But people into dance music, uh, into dance music hear it yeah do you know what and, and, and yeah, yeah. that's interesting yeah because i think i think people who are into metal mm. tend to be and 
you know, rightly or wrongly, yeah. not an accusation, but tend to be a, a little bit more closed-minded. Some of them. And, and so listening straight away mm. to hearing your kind of music, yeah. it would be like, oh yeah, that's, yeah. No, no thanks. Well, it's, it's, I, I think you've got listeners who dig a little deeper and spend a bit more time on music. Yeah. Like, so they might not like it the first time, they'll give it a few more listens, give it a few more chances, it might get the claws in. Sleep Token are a really good example of a band like that. Um, when I first heard Sleep Token, I was like, right, this is a bit, like the pop bits are really pop, and the heavy bits are really heavy, and it's gonna take a lot of while. After a while of listening to it, and actually listening to how it all, like, complemented each other, and actually works as a piece of music that is pretty uncategorizable, um, like, in, say, pigeonholes, yeah. um, I became really enamoured with them, but I'm the sort of person who will give things a few chances, and I think, um, especially, we've done some, like, really, like, I would think, harsh electronic stuff in the past, which could definitely, if you had guitars on it, would definitely pass. Yes. And after seeing Prodigy play at Download, you see, oh. you know... Oh, they're massive crossover. And yeah. your, um, your, is it current single? Oh, oh, Burnham, yeah. Yeah, on your... On, now, to me, mm. that's like... I want to pile in on that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I hear that and yeah. I'm like, I want to, you know, I want to pile in on it. Also, yeah. I hear that and I get excited. Yeah. Don't put any pressure on you, no. but I get excited to, um, to hear what, what you've done with... A, a, a exclusive, folks, yes. the new low. Yes, So it's on um, the desktop right now. So George has got the stems from um, Jace. Jace um, is... Excited to hear it. Yeah. I've sent him links of uh, 601. He's really excited to hear what you're going to do. Oh, absolutely. As well. Because he's, he, the weird thing is, as well, is his, his background is, is dance. Yeah. So, you, you know, so you, he brought, like, in, as I'm sure, being an audiophile yourself, yeah. there's little dance um, cheats in yeah. the production on, oh, yeah. the, on the Age of Entitlement. There's yeah. a couple of sub bases. Oh, and yeah. And there's little tricks and effects where you just go, like, oh, He's used that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You and can hear it actually. Yeah. I've, I've listened to the, like the originals at length, um, because before I even do a remix, I make sure I know the original tune back to back before, so I know where the good bits are and I know where the tweaks are and I know what I'm going to do with things. And um, yeah, like a, a new low's perfect track for us to remix because it's got the aggression and the fast attacking um, like vocal. Yeah. Uh, the sort of staccato manner in which it is. Um, lends itself so well to the beat and it's so rhythmic and it, it's, 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 I don't want to talk it up oh, too much. Oh, excited. But yeah, we, we've done, like, we've, we've mirrored guitar lines on 303s and stuff like that and uh, yeah, we, we've, we've really gone to like because wow. basically, world, I want to do more heavy metal remixes. Well, <laughs> well, funnily enough, um, uh, you know, mm. we'll, we'll get it out there as soon as we can. Mm. Um, Absolutely. And, and I'll also, um, I'll speak to the label as well mm. and let them know what's going on. Yeah. Because they may well, mm. you know, want to want to do something around it. Because Better smash it any, up. Then. Well, well, <laughs> well, the thing is that anything that anything that, that mm. would give the album another lease of life or bring yeah. people, or bring people, you know, to the party. Well, is, that's, yeah. You know, we've we've got a couple more coming um, after that for some other bands that we're doing. It's quite exciting. Again, I'm not going to talk about them until they're done. But um, yeah, we, we've got we've just booked first um, festival performance at Beat Herder this year, right. and we've got a really good slot this year because we had a bit of a graveyard slot last year. And they said, whenever you want to play, I said eleven o'clock on Friday. 
I said, that's when everyone's going for it, 11 o'clock on a Friday. And he said, you can have it. So um, we're going to usher in this sort of like this new um, sound, if you like, our new sort of rougher take on things. Because the thing with 601 is we became known for a certain sound that we kind of conjured up ourselves, us and a couple of other producers, the only people doing it, which is kind of like a slowed down version of Jungle, but with the influence of harder sort of like drum and bass bass lines and stuff like that and it was actually quite aggressive and we got kind of pigeonholed as that and um the breakbeat scene we kind of i don't want to say outgrow because that's like dissing the scene that we came from but um we like lots and lots of different things and we wanted to start now in our old age we it's not all about dance floor bangers anymore it's it's about you know yeah you know i i i'm a person you're more, more likely to find at the back of a metal gig than at the front of a rave having it. You know, I'll, I'll happily be on stage though. Anyway, point of the matter is, uh, we, I, we basically got almost, well, 45 years worth of music I've listened to and I want to involve everything I liked now. So, so you've, got, you've got to a point with 601 mm. where it's kind of like, Actually, why are we doing this? Well, it was like, like, like yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? It, it, I, yeah. I know what you mean. We I know had, what you mean. We you, had the you, discussion, yeah. and we we played a gig, and um, we had the discussion after we came off stage that um, it was getting too easy, right. and we don't like that. Yeah. The minute the minute you can sense autopilot on stage. Yeah. Yeah time to change it. Yeah, and I know that's going to ruffle a few feathers, but it was, it was, I want to do music that challenges me. Mm. I want to do music that I'm going to be proud of, because if I'm just phoning it in, then there's no point, you know? And um, up, up till now, it's, it's been like, um, I'm really proud of everything we've done, but we've pushed that sound as far as we can go. And, you know, we've, let's be realistic, I'm 45 now, we've got another, what, 10 years maybe? Um, oh, fuck off, that means I've only got another three years. Oh, that's why I've got the retirement plan with the programme. I can oh, do that right, till I'm 80. Right. <laughs> but um, with the music anyway. And so now, if we're going to be experimental, now's the time. So not only have we got 601 getting a bit more adventurous with our choices, um, I'm doing uh, an album um, with a, uh, in an act called Prior State, which is me and uh, Jim um, Daly from uh, Loop Guru. He's come back round again, and um, he was also in Psychic TV with Genesis P Origin and all that. And we've got some of the original Psychic TV stuff um, and vocals and stuff. And we've got been given the okay by the family to use the late Genesis P Origin's vocals. Wow. So I've, I've got the samples and stuff, and um, wow. we've been piecing together an album for well, it's been over a year now. We've been working on it, and uh, should be seeing the light of day sometime towards the end of the year if I get my stuff together. Um, so that's quite exciting. That, now that's a very experimental record. Yeah. And that's a bit like, sort of like if Massive Attack had a right bummer <laughs> and, and started hanging around with Ministry. It's, it's kind of industrial. It's, right. I, I'd say more than anything, it's an industrial record. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's been great. And obviously like hanging around with people like Author and Punisher and stuff and like picking their brains a bit. Yeah, it, there's a lot of melting pot stuff going on, and I hope I pull it off. That's, but that, that, that's great. That's great because it's, uh, you know, it's what keeps you, it's what keeps you on it. Yeah. And believe you and me, you know, somebody, somebody who is going to um, turn fifty-three next month, mm. um, 
if in ten years' time, mm. you could well be going right. What's the next change? Where yeah. are we, you know, where 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 are we at next? Absolutely. Because it, it, it's as long as you've got the passion for it. That's what it's all about. You've got to do it. It's passion, yeah. and I've now been around this block quite a few times and realised, yeah, no one's getting rich. You, you yeah, know, I've got friends in, in bands that are in the top ten, right, and they're not rich. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, nobody's making. You can make a sort of living. Basically, <laughs> unless you end up on a movie soundtrack or an yeah. advert, yeah. you're not making any money. Oh, absolutely. Uh, our second album, uh, we made more money off what Radio 1 played, because Annie Nightingale liked one of the tunes, so she played it 12 times. That made more money than all the sales and everything anyway, so that yeah. was... Yeah, that, that was well believed. That was the best money we got. Twelve radio plays. Yeah, eighty quid yeah. a pop. You yeah. know, so, yeah. <laughs> brilliant. So that was fine. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I realised the truth about the music industry quite early on, and this was in the nineties when people were actually making money. Well, the, well, this is interesting because again, you, you've been you've been been involved in the industry as well mm. from from the back end side. Yeah, like you were saying so. Um, Julie, who now is head honcho at Music for Nations, Absolutely. which is um, part of Sony. It's Sony. I'm nearly oh, Sony BMG, isn't it? I don't is know about it? the BMG, but it's, oh, it's no, just it's, Sony it Music. Well, anyway, yeah. So, but you were you were working with her. Uh, you were saying Now Records. Yeah, yeah Now Records. Yeah. So Nail this, Records. Nail Records. Yeah. Right. Nail in the coffin of popular music was its full term, uh, right. and that came out of bad. I don't know if you remember a shop in Leeds called Bad. You used to sell all golf gear. It was up by the station. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Now I don't remember the shop because I, mm. I only I remember I remember Crash Records. Yeah. Um, Jumbo, obviously. Jumbo. Yeah. Um, and they were the they were the two record shops. Yeah. That they, they, between. they were doing like the alternative clothing and stuff like that. Anyway, um, Adam Smees and Mark Mason who worked there, they put together now records to do records because they only did clothes at this place. And they all um, went down Call Lane, and I joined them when I was about 15. So while I was doing 601, and then I became so absorbed in everything that was coming into the record shop, and we were getting like things like Leibach or like KLF, or, and then all this metal stuff as well, which I'd be getting on order, I'd get the Sepultura and all that sort of stuff. Hang on, hang on, let me stop you there. You were doing what I did at, at Virgin in our price or whatever yeah. it was in Harrogate, which yeah. was I worked there and the manager quickly saw my friends were coming in yeah. and he was like, Howard, just like order metal records you think we should get in. Yeah. And then when, when, the, um, when the reps used to come round, he'd go, Howard, come over. <laughs> yeah. And I'd go over and he'd go, and he'd go right, what? and I'd say, yes, yes, no, <laughs> yeah. And, and the store manager would stand there and the rep would be looking at the store manager and he'd be going, yeah, whatever he says. He's my metal guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 I haven't got a clue. I was, I was exactly the same now. Um, Brilliant. Now, here's a nice bit of serendipity for you. You sold me, while you were at our price, uh, my first Sepultura, and it was a Rise picture disc. Wow. Yes, um, pretty rare, I'm led to believe, but I don't have it anymore. Oh, that but. is... That's, that is going back a few years. Yeah, and then I went to Nell Records and one of the first records I badgered them to get was uh, Chaos AD. <laughs> so, which was my, my jam. That was my album I listened to relentlessly. But uh, which is an, an utterly phenomenal album. I mean, I've had, so ahead I've, of its I've time. Had, I've had Max and Igor on the podcast Oh wow! Years. Igor's and, doing um, amazing stuff now. He's an interesting guy. He lives in London he's now, doesn't he? Uh, he lives in North London. He's... Yeah. he's uh, 
have his phone number. Um, <laughs> and the weird thing is... I'd love to have him on my show. <laughs> Done. We'll, we'll talk so, yeah, yeah, we'll talk afterwards. Um, um, but, yeah, one of my, one, one of, one of my favourite moments on the podcast oh, wow. was interviewing... Um, Justin Sullivan and New Model Army. Wow. Sepultura came up in the conversation. Yeah. And I said, I said, well, I've got Igor's number. He lives over here now. Yeah. Do you want it? He goes, oh, yeah, please. So I, saw, I sorted, out, he, <laughs> sorted out Justin Sullivan with Igor Cavalieri's telephone number. And at that point, I'm going, what? <laughs> yeah. 15-year-old me is like, you yeah. know. Yeah, oh, I've had a few of those moments. We haven't mentioned Food Night yet, but um, yes. I've yeah, had a few yeah, of those we'll moments. Um, yeah, funny you mentioned Justin Sullivan, actually. My first ever um, rock gig was New Model Army. Wow, right. Yeah, okay. before that, my first ever gig was Aha, a band I still like. Um, sue me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they probably will, yeah. Well, it was my first ever gig. They're gonna, I was eight. Um, hey, that's, that's a great age to be going to first ever gig. Conference Centre. Really? Yeah, it was at the Conference Centre in but that's like, But that's, that's pro- I mean, I, my first gig, I would have been 14. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got in early then. Oh, I've I got good parents. I was going to say, <laughs> but like, was your second gig, like, you know, not till you were, like, in your teens or something? No, that was just after um, Stupid Questions had come out. Um, oh, right. And it was, it was in the top ten, I think. It was yeah, quite a big it hit. It did, it did, yeah. it was, yeah. And they did a free gig in what's now Millennium Square in Leeds. Right. And they did a free gig there. I think it was for anti-fascist action or something like that. It was right. a charity type thing. And I just read about it on the back of NME and a badge of my mum to take me. And so we went to see New Model Army. And That's it was fab. Yeah. <laughs> I still adore that record. Um, Thunder and Consolation, just adore it. It is one of the greatest albums by a British band ever. I it's really in, think it, it's think It's in so. my top ten. It might yeah. be in my top five. Definitely. And there's definitely... I mean, New Model Army Bradford, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's it's, something. There's something, there's something about, about Bradford. The green and the grey. Yeah. You can shut your eyes and do the bus journey that he's talking yeah. about. Yes. Even though you've no idea which bus journey he's talking about. But it sounds but, like but Bradford. You, but, but you can <laughs> shut your eyes and you can see the moors and yeah, the mist definitely. and the rain and mm. that sense of melancholy. Yes. Is. It's that, yeah. It's, it's, it's a magnificent I'm, without piece. Without a joke, I'm tingling. Yeah. I'm just talking about it. Vagabonds, man. Vagabonds. Oh. We haven't even mentioned Vagabonds yet. That, that song is just, I listen to it most weeks. But also the fact that there's two songs on it, One Family Life and One Family. Yeah. Which, like, you know, when you get the expanded edition with all yeah. the songs on it and everything. Oh, man. You know, yeah. that, you know, how did they do this to you? And I mean, there's, there's, there's some great examples of minimalism on that album mm. as well, of how little you need to oh, make yeah. an amazing song. And then mm. there's other songs on it where you're just like, there's, there's so much depth and there's so much going on. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, because I, I, I was saying, like, Bradford, because um, one area of Bradford music that I've been looking into quite a bit, I'm not going to give anything away, but it was the doom metal scene. In oh, right. So My Dying Bride, Paradise Lost, you know, um, all of which centred around Rios that we just mentioned, you know, were, yeah. you know, and I became very exposed to that music when it, like Gothic by Paradise Lost and Turn Loose with Swans by My Dying Bride were big records for me, but it were also, like you say, very minimal in their own way. They were very economic and slow in places and stuff, but like like really making, exploring the the room, you know, like really. Yes, yeah, 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 I know exactly what you mean, because, uh, you know, intensity is fucking great, but there's no room for anything else when intensity is around. Yeah. And the minute you slow it down, yeah. and you know, it's like as a singer, mm. you slow it down, open chords, whoa, hello, I can yeah. have some fun. Yeah, exactly. Intense, Yeah. I've just got to be 
in time yes. and in tune. Absolutely. And that's it. Yeah. There's yeah. very little room for anything else. Absolutely. But, and but which, yeah, that, all that room to walk around in. Which brings us back neatly to the notion of heavy. And, ah, and, yeah. nicely done. I'm glad somebody's driving this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been doing it like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, before I'd been sort of exposed to like the really slowed down version of metal, like thrash was my entry, like my, my, my entry drug, if you like, for for what I really liked. I liked Maiden and stuff before that, I liked Def Leppard. Def Leppard was the first, if you could call it heavy, sort of thing I got on set. Yeah, I'm not far off yet. Yeah, Hysteria. Um, and then Maiden, because I fell in love with the artwork before the band, like a lot of people did. And, um, but it just wasn't enough. And then Thrash came along, and I remember what it was, and you were on this record as well. It was the Speed Kills compilation. Right. Uh, number three? I want right. to say. It was, uh, you were on it definitely, along with Candlemass and... and do you know what the song was? Uh, Life Informs. I knew it would be. Yeah. I knew it would be. And, and th the reason it's still in the set today mm. is that album. Mm. And there are members of Acid Rain who are like, you know, I don't know, should we, should yeah. we lose this? And every time I say, mm. there will be people <laughs> in the came crowd just to hear that. every night. <laughs> yeah. That if you don't, if we the, we don't play it, you will hear from them. Oh yeah. We might not hear from them if we do. Yeah. But you will hear from them if, if we you don't. don't. Yeah, absolutely. You've got those tracks that you've just got. It's like with Six Hundred One. We had a big tune called Rage, and um, it went on a Ministry of Sound compilation, and it got played everywhere. It was all over the radio, and we have to end our sets with that. Yeah. It's expected of us. Yeah. You know. It's your mother in love. It is. It's that tune. You know. And yeah. it, honestly, and. You might find this as well. Your biggest tune seems to be the one that you've spent the least time on. Oh. This was like yeah. two hours or something at best that me and yeah. that had a really strong sample, really strong bass line, got really strong beats going, and it just wrote itself. And then it was a B-side. We just like slapped it on, like the main track on, it was on the Raise It Up EP, and Raise It Up was meant to be the big single. Everyone ignored it. Rage was the one that everyone went for. Yeah. You can never tell which ones are going to be popular. No, no, and, and that is... That's a, again, that's something that you, you just put it out there and yeah. you go, right, okay, go for that, everybody, mm. you know. Well, it doesn't belong to you is. anymore once you put it out. Ah, uh, well, you see, uh, before, our, before the Age of Entitlement came, came mm. out, we, I, I spoke to every member of the band and I was like, guys, album comes out in a month. Mm. Spend this next month with the album mm. while it's still ours. Yeah. Okay, because the minute it's out there, it will change. And, then, and once you listen to it, after it's out, your head will be full of comments you've read, things mm. people have said. Yep. When you when you listen to it, it's like it's yep. still ours now. Whether you intended for it or not. Yes. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I, I I've said this to because I've been producing uh, my partner Lisa's records. That she's a country artist, well, alternative country. She hates it when I call it that, but that's what it is. <laughs> alternative country. That means. Good. <laughs> yes, it means it's, it's, it's not the Garth Brooks stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's not, uh, it's not whiskey drink. It's not whiskey drink. No, Honky-tonk songs. No, it's not songs about trucks. It's not, you know, or, 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 part, or the, partners or the, leaving or the you. hours people work in an office. Exactly. Yeah. Um, God bless Dolly, though. Oh, absolutely. Fucking, <laughs> fucking legend. Don't mess with Dolly. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've, been, and I've, I've been saying to her, like, you know, this, the, the process of making the record and everything it means to you 
isn't going to be everything it means to everybody else. So once you yeah, put it, put it yeah, out yeah. there, people will take their own meaning from it. People will take their own meanings from songs. It might be totally not what you intended for it, but it doesn't belong to you. Once it leaves you and goes off to the distributor, yeah. it's like you have a baby and you put it straight into adoption. <laughs> you know? what, I, what I love is when, is when people don't even, well, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure about you and mm. you know, where you sound the lyrics, but what I like is when people pure uh, 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 you know you get comments from people mm. about a song oh yeah and they've and they're purely they've decided what the song's about from the title yeah and they haven't even they haven't read the lyrics yeah it's a bit like and, those people but, but also when they listen to the song mm. and they've because they've already decided what it's about they then apply that narrative to the words that are written down exactly. and if it fits i'm right <laughs> yeah Okay, whatever you say. Well, it's yours now. Do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know absolutely. what I intended. Yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, you get all sorts of questions over the years, or like, mm. you know, what's that about, or, you know, yeah. what that, what that. And I always say the same thing. I can answer your question, mm. but it might ruin the song for you. Yeah. So, do what you, do you still want to know? Is, yeah, what do you do think you is you still want to know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely that thing, isn't it? Um, especially... Like, if you really labour over something, I because mean, I write lyrics as well, because I'm, I'm also a <laughs> busy boy at the moment. I've, I've, I've got a, th- a death metal act that I do vocals for as well. Right, okay. Uh, with uh, Steve Rhodes from Nihilist. Ah, right. And, uh, yeah, we, we've done an EP. It was, to all the senses and purposes, a grindcore EP. Um, and it was just going to be a studio thing that we were just going to do. And quite a few people liked it. So we thought, right, we'll do some more. And then five years passed and we haven't done anything with it because we're both really busy. But um, we've got, just started a new song. So I've been doing lyrics. And once I'm into doing lyrics, I'm all right with it. It's getting into doing lyrics because I always think like, well, it's heavy, aggressive music. So I've got to do heavy, aggressive topics and stuff. And then you think, well, you don't... You can use metaphor and change things to mean something else, and etc. And so, once you get on a roll with it, it's all right. Um, it can be as simple as like um, it's like this this one I wrote the other day. It's like I was um, it was talk about a, an abusive relationship, but not with a person. It's an abusive relationship with a a thing, an entity, an entity. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I just got the word red flag in my head, and I thought, oh yeah, you know, carrying a red flag and all that sort of stuff. And then that sort of like led to loads of other loops. Before I knew it, I'd written the whole thing out. And it's just getting into that flow. I think it takes like one word. Yeah. It's like when I'm writing a song with 601, it'll take one sound and everything yes. revolves everything around grow, that. Yeah, yeah, everything grows organically. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, for, for lyrics, I always, you know, my, you, you can't push it. My, the, my standpoint's always been, and we're back to the P word, passion again. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's got to be, it's got to be passionate. And that's why it always mm. does my head in when you hear about bands overwriting for an album. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we had 16 songs and picking the best 11. Yeah. And I'd be like, what, five sets of lyrics aren't getting used? Fuck that. Yeah, exactly. Because I pour my heart and soul into every fucking song. Yeah. If it's not getting used, I'm having those lyrics back. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, I, and that, totally. that does my absolute head in. Totally. Um, I agree. It, 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 yeah, it, and that, that's, that, it's, it's kind of like applying the production line concept uh. to to music and I, I don't Now you've understand. hit the nail on the head. Because I, I just think, and I always have, mm. like you go in the studio and it's like, how many songs have you got? How many songs are you recording? Mm. Nine. How many go in the album? Nine. You yeah. haven't got any extras. Why would we? Yeah. We were busy working on these nine. Making them the best they could be. Yeah. Yeah. And if we'd had a bit longer, 
you'd have 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. at no point are you getting 14 or 15. Well, this, is, this is where, um, certainly myself, I can't speak for Nat because he's not here, but um, when it became like, because in dance music, there's a, there's a different set of pushing from labels in that they want, because it's such an ADHD kind of mindset where it's just like, what's the new thing? What's the shiny thing? Where's the, you know, and, 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 um, and your record will only be big for about a week or so. Right. So they want the next one, and they want the next one, and they want the next one. And before you know it, you do feel like you're on a production line. Well, the thing is as well is that the danger there is mm. if you, well, if your label is mm. reactive, because they're all reactive, yeah. because they don't know what's going to hit. Yeah. So when something does hit, do more of it. all the other labels yeah. go, right, that's big, do that. Mm. So there's every chance that by the time you do that, mm. it's not that anymore. No, exactly. So you hand that in, it's like, oh, no, 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 that was last week. Well, you see, especially in a, in a, in a side of the industry where the te <coughs> technology runs it, so basically, the evolution of dance music has been the evolution of technology that's used. Right, yeah, yeah. So, and the technology's always changing. And, it, and, and there's snobbery amongst producers about, oh, you've not got the latest thing yet. It's just like, well, <laughs> I believe that proper creativity lies with, within parameters. I think that when you haven't got everything you, and you just make the best of what you've got, you probably make the best stuff. And do you know what you know? that is? That principle is called the A-team principle. Mm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. certainly yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Works for them. a rocket launcher, yeah. <laughs> but I've got a cardboard tube with some fireworks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you can kick ass with them, no one can touch you, you're bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. I, love, I love it when a mix comes together. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But like, our first album yeah, was no, done on yeah. an Amiga 500 and a Roland D10 keyboard yeah. and just a wing and a prayer. And over the years, people come up to you and go, you go how the fuck did you get that sound? And that's what it sounds like when an interview dies. Um, sort of like that. Anywho, um, yeah, we were we were in um, uh, Major Tom's Pizzeria and Bar and all sorts in Harrogate when we did that, and I should have credited them with that, so apologies for that. Uh, and it was great fun. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm really looking forward to getting together with George again because we 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 really really got into into music in a very very a very sort of granular way which um which I'm sure you know some of you well some hopefully most would would appreciate um but also uh, like all sorts of other stuff that's incredibly relevant so I am literally doing the opposite of what normally happens what normally happens after a podcast interview as I've mentioned before is that the presenter presenters go on about the interview they've just done and pull it apart whereas what i'm doing is talking about part of the interview that didn't get recorded so you so you haven't even fucking heard this i'm literally gibbering on about fuck all so my apologies for that um got some cracking cracking guests coming up and there'll be a part two with george so even more cracking stuff is going to be coming your way over the next few weeks. Don't want to say who, and there's some, going to be some features, some music business features. So, yeah, keep an eye out for those as well. Anywho, always a pleasure, never a chore. Tell everybody you know about Talking Bollocks and make them fucking subscribe. Please.